So yesterday, Jody and I um, were looking on a quest for a home. And um, sometimes things are not all that they seem. And we went to view this house. And on the website, it says that classic, awesome, awesome line. Requires a lick of paint. A lick of paint. So we look at the pictures on the website and like, we're like, oh yeah, it does just require a lick of paint. Like, yeah, that's all right. That's, that's not a problem. You know, that can be done. And um, we park up the car, we walk to the house and we're like, oh, those, those weren't the windows in the pictures. Like they're single glazed, they're rotting, the whole wood on all of them, every single one. The roof doesn't look like it's a problem, probably will be in a year. And then we get inside and then you're like, oh, there's tiles missing all along the floor in the hallway. Okay, that's not a problem, you know, bit of tiling. And then you get into the lounge and you look around and you're like, oh wow, the support, the beam support in the ceiling has got a crack and it's kind of wonky and not how it should be. And then you look around and you're like, oh dang, like the wallpaper's hanging off it. Oh, there's, there's mold here. And then you kind of walk around and you go, okay, let's go to the kitchen. Oh my days, I haven't seen a kitchen like this, like ever. Like this must be what it was like in the Blitz in London when the Germans were dropping bombs. Like there is just about a cooker. Um, that's about it. There's just, um, yeah, it looks pretty crazy. And then we went upstairs and we thought, okay, well upstairs, this has got to be where the winning is, right? This is like, there's got to be something that pulls this around. And so we go upstairs and I remember stepping into bedroom one and being hit, hit by a pong that I have just not experienced in a while, man. And I like, yeah. And then the second bedroom, bang, even stronger, like um, toilet water, um, sounds about right, but without the perfume side of it. And um, then we get to the toilet. The bathroom was the only good thing, really. They had quite a nice bathroom. And everything else was like a complete and utter disaster. And I remember walking out of there with Jody and being like, wow. And we saw this, this couple queuing up. And they're looking outside rather confused. Like, is this the place? We're like, yeah, we know. Not the same windows, right, as the picture. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. go, yeah, have fun. <laughs> and just like kind of like left. And we're like, wow. Sometimes... Things are not quite what they appear. It's almost like the wing mirror on cars. Objects may be closer than they appear. <laughs> it's like, dang, I did not see that coming. To be honest though, I was extremely tempted to put down an offer for the place. It's Halloween next week, could have made a killing. Having all the kids come round, just, you know, anything stepped out that closet, even if they didn't wear makeup, they just automatically assume it was The Walking Dead. It was that kind of like, wow, okay, Halloween house fantastic, not gonna buy that, see you later. Mental, but sometimes things are not always as they appear. And so as we do this series, kind of like the big picture, we started off with the first week looking at like the climate of Christianity within the UK, our context, some quick stats from that um, first week. 5.3 million people have left Christianity since 2001 to 2011 in the UK. One in five Christians are 65 plus. We have the fourth lowest church attendance rate in the whole of Europe, even lower than Sweden. That is just beyond painful for me. Um, I can't even go there. I've been to church in Sweden. It's hard. And so we're even lower than them. That's, that's impressive. You have to compete for that kind of position. You have to try. And um, within 10 years, by, 20, uh, by 2021, uh, Christianity shouldn't be the predominant religion in the UK anymore, um, just judging by the statistics. So... Um, also experts, when looking at all those stats, realized the church is declining 50% faster than they thought it was from the previous decade when they looked at the census in the UK. Some alarming, alarming figures that were pretty depressing. 
And then the next week what we looked at is we looked at this Jesus who part of the picture and part of the story is he invites us to come and to follow him. And then the third week, what we looked at was Jesus's, um, ex- um, Jesus's sacrifice for us, allowing us to be his children, allowing to be his kids, which is huge. So when we go along this journey, we look at the reality of our situation. In the midst of our reality, Jesus invites us to follow him. As he invites us to follow him, he's inviting us to really trust in his ultimate work, that it's not really what we do, although he calls us to follow him into action things. He's ultimately saying, I need you to trust in me that I've got this. And so as we wrap up this series today, we come to the completely and 100% most logical place in the whole of the Bible to come to. We come to 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8. So if you want to flick that bad boy Bible open and uh, get to 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8, I'm just going to read this story to us. It's one of those pretty cool ones, really. Once When the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, we're going to set up our base camp here. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, saying, make sure you don't go near this area, for the Syrians are going to be there. And the king of Israel sent out to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him so that he was safe. And this didn't happen just once. It happened a couple of times. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who in our team is leaking this information? And one of his servants said, No one. None of, my, none of your servants are leaking information, my lord, O king. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, go and see where he is that I may send and seize him. It was told, behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent there horses and chariots and a great army. And they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Screw him. My master, what do we do? And he said, jam your height, blood. No, he said, don't be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Elisha prayed, oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, this is not the way. This is not the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. As soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they saw And behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. As soon as the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall we kill him? Shall I kill him? Ooh, ooh, can I kill him? Can I kill him? And um, he answered, You shall not strike those whom you have taken captive with your sword and your bow. Set bread and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. So he prepared for them a great feast. 
And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their master. And the Syrians did not come again on raids into the land of Israel. Now, when I look at that story, I think there are so many times that there are parts of it that we can all identify with. Probably the latter part is a bit hard to identify with, but I think the early passage, the early passage where they feel completely surrounded, where the servant is packing, um, panicking, and he's like, packing, yeah, he's got a strap. He's about to get those guys down. No, he's not. That's not in there. He's panicking. He's afraid. And he's like, alas, we are surrounded. We are but screwed. We shall die. <laughs> ah, is how it translates in any modern translation. Ah, 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 and a few more ahs on the end. The guy is freaked out. The guy is afraid. He's fearing for his life. He sees they're completely surrounded. And I think all of us can look at times and moments in our lives where we feel like in a particular, particular situation that we are surrounded on every side. Maybe it could be something in a financial situation. Maybe it could be in a relationship. Maybe it could be in your workplace. Maybe it could be in um, yourself, who you are. Sometimes um, people go through real dark patches of depression. I've had friends go through real depression and everything seems bleak. I look at their life, I look at their job, I look at who they are and like their life's cool, man. I'm like, wow, you, you guys have really got it together. But when I chat to them, there's this bleakness, there's this heaviness that just is surrounding them. And you see, when you look at the picture and you zoom out of the big picture, you see, you see yourself in Elisha and his servant suit, suit, shoes. They're standing at Dotham and as you zoom out of the picture, away from just the servant, you see an army surrounding them on every side. And that's the big picture for him. But there's a bigger picture that he doesn't see. There's a bigger picture going on in the background that he fails to see. There's a bigger picture in my life that I'm failing to see. You see, what I realized last night, and I wish I always realized this, and I don't, and it's something I need to grab a hold of, and get into more and more, which is why I'm speaking on it today, because I want this to be a part of my life. I want this to be a part of my marriage. I want this to be a part of our church, that we don't look at the situation, oh, we're screwed. We're surrounded on every side. Bang, that is the picture. That is all there is. That is how it is. And that is where the picture stops. It doesn't stop there. When we look at this story, Elisha says, dude, there are way more guys backing us than backing them. And the servant's like, are you crazy? I'm looking around the city. We're surrounded on every side. We are so screwed right now. And he just says, oh Lord, open his eyes. And as he looks out, he sees that the place is surrounded by chariots of fire and this huge army surrounding the other army. And what is different from them? They're on fire. That's how he sees it. That's how he, he pictures it. He sees something totally different, something out of this world surrounding their situation. You want to know something? You're, you're surrounded by a situation that is frightening and that is, that is real and that is scary and you should maybe feel panicked by it. But what the good news is this morning is, is that while you're surrounded by your situation, your situation is surrounded by your God. But if you're going to live a life where you look at the picture of being surrounded, then you're surrounded. But if you're going to take the big picture and you're going to take a step back, you're going to see, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to stand where Elijah, Elisha and his servant stands and I'm just going to say, you know what? I surrender. 
and they're going to be like, sweet, we've captured them. I'm like, no, 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 not to you. <laughs> not to you guys, man. You guys are surrounded. I'm, I'm surrounding to, to the boss over there. <laughs> like, God, like, your will be done. I give up. I give up. I can't do this. I couldn't do this. I surrender. Your plans. You got me. I'm over. I'm done. I'm getting out of the way. And in this story, what happens is they're surrounded on every side by an army, but God has the army surrounded by his army. And when they come and they move to Elisha, Elisha says, blindness, and they're struck with blindness. The thing I love about this story is he then goes and says to them, guys, this isn't the place where you're supposed to be. And he leads them to the place they're supposed to be. And then he says, open their eyes. And then they see where they are. And they're surrounded by the king of Israel. And the king of Israel is like, sweet, let's murk them. Let's kill them. Let's perpetuate this system of violence and keep it going and going and going. And Elisha says, no, 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 you don't kill those you've captured. And then he doesn't say, just throw them in prison. What he says is, let's have a feast. Let's feed these guys. Let's get out the good wine. Let's party. And they throw this huge party. And what does the passage end with? It doesn't end with, they won the battle. It says, the Syrians didn't come for war anymore. It didn't raid them anymore. Maybe this week, your boss is giving you a hard time. Well, Monday morning, go in with a bottle of wine and chocolates and say, have a great one Monday night. Woohoo! Here's some chocolates. You work hard. You've earned it. Thanks for being such a great boss, even though you know deep down inside they're a jackass. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Elisha and the Israelites, they wouldn't have been like, oh yeah, we love the Syrians. Always coming over here raiding, trying to kill us off. You guys have a meal on us. Oh yeah, love you guys. No, 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 no. But God ordained for them to do something different. And you see, when we come to our situation and when we come to our problem, and man, I find this so hard. I'm rubbish at this, but it's something that God has been saying to me a lot, and especially through Jody, She is challenging me about this all the time. Um, is that seeing the problem and the situation completely differently. You see, you and I may have rocked up to church today or rocked up to our lives looking at the picture in 2D, but the picture that God's painted for us has an added dimension to it, an added depth. It's 3D, it's 4D, it's 5D, it's 6D, it's some next D that we don't even know about. There's these added dimensions to the picture that we don't see. And if we're going to live our lives looking at the picture, only seeing what's there in just a two-dimensional kind of way, when God has a picture that's outside of that, we're going to live a life frustrated, full of fear and thinking we're surrounded on every side. But when we see God in the next dimension that he is in and we start to look at the world within a 3D kind of dimension, a dimension that's outside of this situation where, yes, you are surrounded by an army. Yes, you are surrounded by a financial situation that's tough. Yes, you are surrounded by a relationship that's tough. Yes, you are surrounded by whatever it is that you're surrounded by. But God is surrounding your situation. And Jesus took captivity captive. That is who he is. It's how he rolls. And when he took them captive, there's even more than that. He doesn't just win a victory. He wins something much greater than a victory in a war. He feeds the enemy and they leave in peace and they don't mess with them anymore. God can do things in our lives, in our situations that are beyond anything we've ever dreamed or ever imagined. 
he can do that and he wants to do that. But for that to take place, what we have to do is we have to see in another dimension and not just see what's straight in front of us. We can all put our trust in what's in front of us. I always put my trust in what's in front of us. Think, ah, oh, man, weekly Jody hears me go like, oh man, I'm screwed, man. There's no way we're going to do this. There's no way we're going to achieve this. This isn't going to happen. This is going to happen. She's wearing the right glasses. I'm not most of the time. I'm going to be honest. Out of the two of us, she wears them more than me. But she's kind of, I guess, inspired this kind of message that as I looked at this passage last night and I was flicking through it, I was like, dang, Elisha is like Jody, and I'm 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 a side man. This ain't this ain't cool. This ain't how it's supposed to be, man. I'm meant to be Elisha. Jody's meant to be the side man. This isn't cool. It's very cool. And I'm chuffed and I'm I'm blessed to have I'm blessed to have Jody to see things in those ways. But the great thing in this situation is that I don't know your life, I don't know where you're at, I don't know where you're facing. All I know is that the problem you're facing is real and it is encircled around you, but God is encircled around your situation and he takes situations captive. And when he does it, he leaves it and he can leave your situation in a way where you are more blessed than if you had the victory in your own strength. If the Israelites had defeated these guys in their own strength, they'd have come back a few months later and they'd have been raided again. But when God moves on your behalf, he can move on your behalf in ways that achieves more than you ever dreamed or imagined. But when it comes to the big picture, we have to acknowledge our situation. And the first week we looked at the reality of our situation as a nation, where we're going, spiritually in terms of Christianity. We looked at a God who calls us out to follow him. And we looked at a God who gave his life for us. And we ended, the, we ended last week talking about him giving his life for us, but we talked about the veil of the temple being torn from the top to the bottom. And we talked about what that meant in Jewish culture, but we also talked about the other angle where God no longer wanted to live within the temple, but within you and I. And when Holy Spirit comes to live within us, we have the capability to see like Elisha saw. We have the capability not only to see what's in front of us, but to see spiritually. Bible says without vision, my people perish. It's through his spirit we get the vision to see what he has for us. We can live our lives not just following the estimated trends of man, but of the trends of God who sees what is coming before because he's outside of space and time. And he calls us to follow and trust him, which is why so often you'll hear Christians saying, God told me to go and do this. It was a stupid idea to start a business in this field. Like no one was starting a business in the field. But God was seeing ahead of the trend and he knew the gap in the market because he's outside of it all. And so for you and I, as God calls us to do things, sometimes we're like, man, that sounds like a terrible idea. That's not what I need to do right now. That's... But he sees outside of it. He sees way ahead. So we can trust God with what he starts to show us, to challenge us. We test it, bang, bang the idea of other people around us, we wait for people to confirm it wait for God to speak into it through more than just one angle. But as we do those things, we can start to see the blessings of God in our lives where our situations are changed dramatically and in ways that you and I could never achieve if we went just in our own strength, in our own mentality and in our own understanding. What I'm going to do is, you see, we're going to have a little moment. I'm just going to invite kind of God to come, Holy Spirit to come because I don't know I don't know you guys. I know you, but I don't know you. God knows you. And he knows what you face. And he knows what actually matters to you right now. And he knows what it is that feels like 
there's a camp just surrounding you on every side. And he knows exactly what that is. And he is the one who can give you the sight to see, to be able to trust in him. Because faith is a gift that God gives. Like people always go, I wish I had faith. Well, God gives that gift. And God gives his gifts freely. There's no exchange that we make. Christ has done that. And so I'm going to pray for us that Holy Spirit will come. Father, I pray that you would forgive us. Um, your word says the only way to please you is through faith. And so often, God, as you call us and you speak to us, we look at the picture and we judge the masterpiece um, with the wrong values in mind. We see it as it is when sometimes there's so much more depth to what it is that you're showing us and we're incapable of seeing it unless we trust in the word that you speak to us. Father, I thank you that you, you are good and you are faithful. I thank you that though they were outnumbered, you outnumbered the situation even more greatly in their favor. Though they could never have known and never have seen unless you'd granted them the sight to see what it is you were doing. I thank you that Elisha trusted in who you are and what you'd said. Father, the stats of our nation say that certain trends are going to change and that um, they don't look too good in your favor, in all honesty, Father. And we could feel just like the servant did with Elisha, where he panicked and he was afraid. But I thank you, Father God, that though our situation around us may be different, may be unique, and may be even in common, I thank you that though the situation, the challenge may surround us, we thank you that you surround the challenge and the situation. Father God, we're going to put our trust in you, that you are sovereign, that you reign, and that you work all things together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his plans and purposes. And we just ask that you would be with us this morning, Father. We invite Holy Spirit to come and to touch our eyes, to touch our ears, that we will hear what is of you, that we will see what you have called us to see, and that you would enable us to act in faith upon what we see and what we hear, Father God, that these will not be abstract ideologies, but they will be living actions that we carry out within our lives, Father, that we would see your purposes carried out to fruition within our lives, Lord God. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and empower us. We pray that you would come and speak to us. We pray that you would fill us from the inside out, Lord God, that you would transform us and change us, that we would be agents of change within our communities, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.